And a very good evening to you. Welcome to the Catholic View on this Friday evening. I'm Shayla Pirsch. Thank you so much for being here with us. Coming up in today's broadcast of the Catholic View, we bring you our youth feature as we take a look at youth and UNAIDS declaration. We also take a look at youth fighting online exploitation, as well as Zimbabwe Maggie's concert ahead of Youth Day in Poland. That's what's coming up in our feature later on in the broadcast. But first, Mahadi Butelezi is on standby to bring you some of the stories that have made headlines in Africa and beyond. Bringing you your news headlines from Africa and beyond Pope's video for ACN Jubilee of Mercy Project, Africa's first forum on albinism and global celebrities joint campaign to stand with hashtag refugees. Good evening, I'm Mahadi Butelezi. A video message by Pope Francis was released on Friday to highlight an awareness and fundraising initiative by the Catholic charity Aid to the Church in Need, ACN. The charity's Be God's Mercy initiative, marking the Jubilee Year of Mercy, was formally launched at a press conference in the offices of Vatican Radio. In his video message, the Pope urged people to carry out works of mercy together with ACN in every corner of the world in order to meet the many, many needs of today. Activists and government officials from around Africa are gathering in Tanzania this Friday for the continent's first ever Forum on Albinism. The event is sponsored by the United Nations, which sounded the alarm earlier this year about a spike in attacks on albinos in Malawi. Albinos have come under attack in Zimbabwe, Malawi, South Africa, and Tanzania, where some people falsely believe that charms made from albino body parts will bring good fortune or money. Interviews with victims of alleged sexual exploitation and abuse at the hands of foreign troops in Gemo Prefecture, Central Africa Republic, should be finalized in the coming weeks, the United Nations said this yesterday. The investigations are being conducted by the UN's Office of Internal Oversight Services in conjunction with Burundi and Gabon. Joint teams have so far spoken to 90 out of 106 complainants. UN spokesperson Stephanie Dudorick said witnesses are also being interviewed to try and corroborate the testimonies. OIOS will need time to then review their findings and identify any additional resources that may be necessary to completing the investigations. As you know, these allegations date back to 2014 and 2015, and there is clearly in the area a lack of medical, judicial, and other physical evidence, which means that the work of the investigators relies primarily on the testimonies of victims and witnesses. In more news from Central African Republic, peacekeepers from the UN mission there, MUNISCA, have been deployed to Ngaodaye in the west of the country, which was attacked by rebels on Wednesday. Dian Pen has more. Up to 200 people have sought refuge in a church following the incident, which resulted in looting, burning of houses and the displacement of civilians. Meanwhile, in the capital, Bangui, tensions are subsiding following protests triggered by the killing of a taxi driver over the weekend. 
The UN continues to patrol so-called sensitive areas of the city. A top official in the UN Children's Fund says there could be 5,000 child soldiers in Somalia as Al-Shabaab continues its recruiting campaigns. In an interview with VOA Somali, Susanna Price, UNICEF Chief of Communication, said the recruitment and use of young children as soldiers was documented and at surprisingly high numbers. According to UNICEF, in the past, an estimated 2,000 to 3,000 children, sometimes as young as nine, were enlisted in the Somali Armed Forces. And finally, more than 60 international celebrities are calling on governments to take action for refugees. Stars such as Australian actress Kate Blanchett, the model Alec Weck from South Sudan, and musician Juanes from Colombia are urging people worldwide to join them in standing with those who have been displaced due to conflict and persecution. Daniel Dickinson reports. The hashtag with refugees campaign has been launched by the UN refugee agency UNHCR. In a video message, the constellation of global stars along with refugees and aid workers relay a simple message. We stand with refugees. Please stand with us. Every day. Every day. War forces thousands of innocent families to leave their homes. Families like yours. Families like vôtre. Family like mine. They're appealing for people everywhere to sign a petition to show their support for families forced to flee their homes. They're asking governments to ensure that every refugee child has an education, every refugee family has somewhere safe to live, and every refugee can work or learn skills to make a positive contribution to their community. The petition will be delivered ahead of a UN General Assembly meeting in September on addressing large movements of refugees and migrants. And these have been your news from Africa and beyond. Have yourselves every good evening. I'm Mahadi Butilezi. You're still listening to The Catholic View and I'm Sheila Pierce. I'd like to thank once again Mahadi Butelezi for bringing us up to date with some of the stories that have made headlines in Africa and beyond. Coming up next is our youth feature followed by a quick look at our sports world. Welcome back to our youth feature. Today we take a look at youth and UNAIDS declaration, youth to fight online exploitation, and Zimbabwe Maggie's concert ahead of Youth Day in Poland. Twenty-year-old Botsielo Shabango was part of three parishioners from St. Rose Catholic Church in Dalmas and Pumalanga who traveled to Peru in search of support for their local community. This is her story. What took us to Peru was we were going to build a family, I could uh-huh. say, because our saint comes from Lima, Peru. And then we were also going to, because we don't have a building at our church, so we were trying to get a relationship in where we could accumulate funds to build a church for back home, mm-hmm. yes. And what exactly did you do at Peru in order to raise those funds? We visited quite a number of churches. We learned about the history of St. Rose. We also spoke to a lot of people who were interested in, in, in us, interested in South Africa and finding out more about 
us as what were we doing there? Why why were we why were we there? Mm. And then in that we also speak speaking to all those different people, telling them our story about how our church is not just a church, it operates as a daycare center as well during the week. So that also was us just putting ourselves out there, you know, mm-hmm. just letting people know that we are here, hi, um, we would like to build this relationship with you people because you are, we are f- related, we are family because of our saints. Um, the selection was quite unique. It was uh, with three people. I was selected to represent the youth because eventually, you know, all the elder people will pass on and then we have to carry that Catholic legacy. We have to retell the story to those who come after us. And we had Mama Sangu. She was representing the female people of the church, all the ladies and all the women in sodalities and everything. And then we had Uba Masego. He was representing the men in the church and he was also because he's also a lay minister. So he was there representing the lay ministers and everybody else. And so you were representing the youth. I was representing the youth. Okay. As a youth, we are in the month of June. It's Youth Month. Um, you do know that the South African youth did quite a lot um, for what you are experiencing today, for the privilege you had actually to go to Peru. Quite now, true. after after being to Peru, after learning so much about fundraising, about what, what needs to be done in order to build yourself a church, what have you brought back home to the rest of the youth in your parish? What are some of the key lessons that you learned? Some of the key lessons that I've learned include um, being one. You know, as young people, we tend to group and isolate ourselves from others. We are n- Most of the time, we're not open to other people. Because you look like this and you dress in a particular way, I will associate myself with you. So I learned that everyone needs to feel welcome. And I learned that as a nothing beats prayer as a young person. Like you just need to keep it there, whatever is because we have different issues that are troubling us within ourselves, socially, in whatever way. But nothing beats prayer. That is what I bring back. And what is uh, one of the key concerns that you have that the youth of uh, Saint Rose of Lima in Delmas has? What is one of your 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 key concerns, or maybe the challenges that you have as a youth in that parish? Participating in the church in general, whether be it coming to mass or helping out, we always I'm guilty of that sometimes myself. We always just leave it to the adults. Just leave it to the moms and the dads and the fathers and everything. We just want to follow. We don't want to lead because, I mean, it's it's up to us. The The church depends on us to survive. So the challenge that we face is we just laid back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what do you think needs to be done for that attitude to change? Participation. We just need to be more, in, have that will to participate, mm-hmm. have that will to see what's going on and have that desire to want to learn more to want to have an input in what whatever is going on. And what tools do you think you can use to have that desire? <laughs> because like you said, as young people, you always tend to leave everything to the in the hands of your parents, of the elders, and you don't want to really participate. But what tools do you think would work for you as a young one? Our elders are our tools. Because mm-hmm. they see us being children laid back and, they're not really concerned about it. So the more they become concerned and the more they actually tag us along in whatever it is that they're doing, I think that is the biggest tool ever. So hence, once you work as a group, once you participate as a group, you do feel that uh, this will contribute positively to the building of a new church. Quite true.
Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. I wish you all of the best. Anything else you want to add? I think I've said a lot, but as young people, we really need to take God seriously and we really need to see him as our way, our light, our truth, our everything. Youth must push to be fully included in the UNAIDS political declaration on HIV and AIDS. That's according to Cedric Nini Nanyuase, executive director of RNJ+. That's Burundi's national network of young people living with HIV. Mr. Cedric attended the high-level meeting on ending AIDS last week in New York, and he spoke with Jocelyn Sambira about his motivation for attending the meeting. My first motivation as a representative of a civil society organization and also as a young people is to push together with my colleagues uh, that young people can have place in the political declaration and also to really know what is going on, what is the agenda within the next five years. And also my other motivation, because this is a very important meeting, is to meet different partners and also to show them in some ways what we are doing so that we can really get other support because we are proud of what we are doing. When you say you want to see youth in the political declaration or you want to see something about your work, specifically what do you mean in terms of what aspect of your work? In terms of what I really need to see for now is to, to see the inclusion for young people in general and young people from key population to be included as a special, maybe can I say target, and also to really know that these are population which are on high risks and then for the next five years we have all attention on this group of people. So because we, for the last three years, my organization, the National Network of Young People Living HIV in Burundi, we're working with key population and also with young people living HIV. So we need to make sure that what we've been done in last years, we are continuing. We, it's not Our efforts are not in vain. And also we are not losing our time, but we have support from also governments, different governments, and also we have support from other donors that they understand that what we are doing, we are contributing to end AIDS. So how did you get involved in all this in Burundi? How did you get involved working with youth living with HIV and AIDS? So I personally born with HIV and then I, I joined the National Network of Young People with HIV 12 years ago and then I was there since 2004 and now I'm here. <laughs> what has it done for you? What has it done for other youth, the kind of work that you do? We are doing many things. You can understand 12 years is not nothing. But the most thing we are doing is raising awareness on AIDS and also raising awareness especially for young people to get HIV tests and then to get treatment if they're HIV positive. The other thing we are doing now is to make sure that people are aware of their sexual reproductive rights and also they are aware of what they can do especially to avoid unwanted pregnancies among young people because this is a very big, big issue in my country. And then we take this as our own issue because we're also young people. It's about our cousins, about our sisters, it's about our neighbors. So we need to raise awareness and also get them to get services. And to do so, we need, of course, to raise awareness, but also we need to get services available for them and to get health facilities opening their doors for young people, which was last year's in the past also during now, very difficult.
for them to open those because sex is a taboo subject in my country, especially in rural area. So we are working on these issues because it's our own issues. Is it a huge problem in Burundi, the HIV and AIDS epidemic? Burundi is among countries which were really in progress these days because our national prevalence is 1.4. But I can say I'm really afraid of what will be Burundi in next maybe year because of the crisis. So our attention is on the crisis and I'm afraid that we can lose what we have been working on many years ago. So I'm really afraid where we are going now because the our attention is on crisis, not on health. That's what I keep hearing from different people, that it's not only Burundi, but because of crisis in Syria and Yemen and other countries, there's a lack of funding now, or there could be in the future less funds, and that's the fear that most people have. Is this something that you'd like to see addressed in these two days? Of course. Financing is also another reason of being here to accompany and to be together with other civil society organizations to raise our voice saying that we need more finance, especially in this period. I think also Burundi, Syria and other countries which are in crisis, they also need more attention, more than financing, more attention and more strategy to first come up with the, the crisis and also to make sure that we are not going to lose what we invest in last years. About 80% of adolescents think young people are at risk of online sexual abuse or bullying. That's according to an opinion poll by the UN Children's Fund, UNICEF, which gathered perspectives from more than 10,000 18-year-olds in 25 countries. UNICEF has launched a campaign called Hashtag Reply for All, which makes young people advocates for staying safe on the Internet or while using social media. To find out more, Dian Pan spoke to UNICEF Child Protection Specialist Clara Somarin. Young people, we know that they're engaging on various social media platforms and we know that that gives uh, children and young people uh, fantastic opportunities in terms of access to information, education, also social entertainment. But we also know through the poll that a lot of young people recognize that they are at risk of online abuse and exploitation. So the risk that they face is normally cyberbullying, but also online child sexual exploitation and abuse. Uh, so it's basically being contacted by adults or strangers online for them to meet up with them, perhaps offline, and then they are being taken advantage of. Or, for example, they're also being at risk of being abused through child sexual abuse material. So it's basically production, dissemination of child sexual abuse material or even live stream abuse of sexual abuse online. And what does the study tell us? You spoke to thousands of um, young people who are now 18, but they're looking back at their younger years when they were online. Young people recognize, again, that accessing internet really has great opportunities in terms of accessing information and education, but they also recognize that they actually are facing uh, various dangers. So it, the study tells us that 8 out of 10 adolescents think that children and adolescents are being in danger of being sexually abused or taking advantage of online. And more than half think that their friends actually engage in risky behavior. The study also tells us that when children face an online threat, they actually reach out to their friends first rather than their parents and teachers. 
but less than half actually feel confident in how to help their friends if they face an online threat. And I wonder if you can tell us briefly about regions. Yes, so the opinion poll was done in 25 countries worldwide. And what we see is, for example, that young people think it's very important to socialize on media, meet with friends, but also meet up with new people online. So six out of ten adolescents responded that they think it's important to meet new people online. And this is one of the data that shows that there are quite big regional differences. So, for example, in sub-Saharan Africa, we see that young people think it's very important to meet with new people online, while perhaps here in the U.S. or in the U.K., uh, they think it's less important. So it's important to look at these regional differences and look at this when we are kind of designing the programs to be able to inform children about risks online. And now speaking of programs to inform children of these risks, what is UNICEF doing in this regard? So the study really shows us that we need to inform children and adolescents better about the online risks. What are the risks, how they comprehend it and how they re can report these uh, crimes if they encounter them. So uh, UNICEF is reaching out to children in schools, informing them how they can identify risk online, how they can prevent it, and where they can report violence and exploitation and abuse if they encounter it online. So for example, we're working in El Salvador with the police where they do a lot of awareness raising sessions in schools with children about, for example, cyberbullying, online grooming, privacy issues, and also child sexual abuse and uh, exploitation online. We are also calling upon all governments to work in a coordinated manner with law enforcement, the justice sector, education sector, service providers providing services to children victims, but also the IT industry and the tech companies and civil society, because we know that only if we work in coordination we can really protect children from online violence. We are also calling upon children themselves to act as messengers and advocates for how they can protect themselves and their friends. And UNICEF has just today uh, launched a Reply for All campaign, which is really using or calling upon children and adolescents to be the advocates for safe online behavior. And this is part of UNICEF's and online violence against children campaign that we're launching today. This initiative is part of a broader initiative that we are doing with partners, including the UK government, as part of the We Protect Global Alliance to end online child sexual exploitation worldwide. The Zimbabwean Chairman Society was a buzz of activity recently when Pilgrims of the Magis Zimbabwe Network performed songs, dance and celebration of the whole Zimbabwean culture ahead of the Magis 2016 and World Youth Day in Poland. The action-packed concert took place at Harari's Milton Park. The bright traditional decor surrounding the stage, gazebo and food table set the tone of for the evening, while the fairy lights in the trees brought on the nostalgia of a star-filled African sky. Time now for a quick look at our sports updates.
Kenya is hosting five of the ten refugee athletes who will compete in this year's Rio Summer Olympics as part of a new refugee Olympic team. The International Olympic Committee says it hopes the team will be a symbol of hope and a reminder of the magnitude of the global refugee crisis. Here is Lenny Ruvaga. The phrase "Breakfast of Champions" has taken a new meaning here at the Tegla Lorupe Training Center for Refugees. Five of these athletes will be competing in Rio this August. The five refugee Olympians in Kenya are all from South Sudan. Rose Natike Lokonyen was just four years old when her family fled ethnic conflict in the eastern part of the country. She has lived at the Kakuma refugee camp in Kenya for the past 16 years. She thinks of her two youngest brothers often. She had to leave them at Kakuma to come here to train. I hope I will do well and get some gold or silver as well if if I win. I really miss my sibling because since we came to Kakuma, we came together with our parents, but they left. Then I stay with them as well. And here, they, these are my two siblings whom I took them. They are the youngest one, and uh, they are here. These are the two boys. We are under age, and now I leave them alone. She says there are good days and bad days in training, but she was headstrong from an early age. She remembers her father punishing her for playing soccer. Then I do escape going to the field. After coming to the field, he do beat me. In fact, I really miss him now because he had been. It's like he was just looking after me. So he he didn't want me just to participate in any sport. But I insist myself doing that. The team has a tough training regimen. Every morning, they start with stretching exercises, which last for 45 minutes. Lokonyen's event is the 800 meters. She and her teammates run for about two hours a day. Kenya is home to more than 600,000 refugees, and it may be no accident that the five refugee Olympians the country is hosting will compete in track and field events. This training camp is named after Kenyan marathon runner Tegla Lorupe, who holds several world records. They had good time in our trials, so that's the special thing they have. But another thing, they are also disciplined. They are also disciplined, and that's what we needed most. And then, these are the best guys, and they have, they have, they have, uh, I mean, Pasafia in the camp since September last year. Lokonyen and her teammates had to flee their homes years ago. Now they will run for gold. Lenny Ruvaga, Ngong, Kenya. Football brings joy to people and relieves their sorrows and ultimately promotes a more peaceful world. That's according to the world-renowned former Arsenal and Nigerian national team player Nwankwo Kanu. Kanu, who is also a UNICEF Goodwill Ambassador and the founder of the Kanu Heart Foundation in Lagos, was at the UN headquarters in New York to promote the role sport can play in building peace and development. Um, it's very, very important. The world. Everybody who touches football, even without playing football, you see a lot of smiles on, on the person's face. So imagine if you have the talent, or if you are part of. Uh, At the exercise or training, 
uh, it brings joy. You forget uh, the sorrows. It, it brings happiness and uh, it, it brings everybody together. Uh, for me, it's uh, one strong tool to bring unity and peace. Nigeria, your country, is undergoing a lot of problems now, politically, socially, economically. Have you seen football in your country bringing people together? I think we're trying to forget that football is very important too, like I said. Everybody's hustling and uh, struggling in different directions. But for me, if you want, really want to bring unity and peace in Nigeria, I think football will be the number one. Because every young uh, girl, every young boy out there wants to uh, be part of uh, football. And why can't we use it as a tool to bring everybody together? Even if you want to talk to uh, the communities or to whoever in Nigeria, when you bring football, everybody listens to you. Why not use it? What does it mean to you to be able to make a contribution, however large or small, to building peace? It's very important because for us to have a better world, there must be peace, there must be unity. Being who I am today, Everybody looks up to me, the young ones, the ones growing up. My name is all over everywhere. So I'm very, very honored and I'm very, very happy to be part of something that we give back to the society in terms of unity and peace. And uh, football comes in and then I want to be part of it. Football is also being used to promote the newly agreed sustainable development goals. Do you think it's going to be difficult for people to understand the link between the so-called SDGs and sport and soccer? When, when you're talking of life skills, uh, football comes in, sports comes in. And as a child, uh, they don't only teach you about football, they teach you about life. It makes you strong, it teaches you how to survive in life, it teaches you how to look after yourself, it teaches you a lot. And people have to remember that um, education is part of uh, football, part of sports. Uh, you can't teach education without sports. And you can't do sport without education. So they work too, uh, in hand to hand, so, which, which makes it more very interesting and very important for everyone. Can you tell me a little bit about your foundation? Yeah, foundation was established in the year 2000. And what we do is to help the less privileged kids with heart problems. And um, as I can tell you now that uh, most of them don't even know when they have the symptoms and when they have the problem. And which is very very difficult so we're trying to create awareness to educate them not only to help them for the operation also to educate them things to do things to eat and then the symptoms uh, of heart uh, problem um, but the foundation have done well we have done 500 operations which means uh, since we started we have saved 500 lives and we have almost like 100 on the waiting list and all this has been um, sponsored uh, worked hard for by me and my team and um, the help of individuals and companies who have supported us and, uh, but I believe we can even do more better and work more harder to help the kids in Africa. And that brings me up to time. You've been listening to Friday's edition of Catholic View on Radio Veritas, a program produced and presented by Sheila Pierce. Thank you so much for listening. A happy Father's Day to all dads throughout South Africa. With that said, do enjoy the rest of your Friday. God bless you and ciao, ciao. I'm Sheila Pierce.